Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So this morning, if you are back for this real life series or if you're just a regular attender and and you're saying, okay, I know you talked about last week that we're going to look at the single life, the family life and the, the finance life. I want you to make sure that if you're married or if you're not single, you don't check out. Because if we will realize that success in marriage and in every other relationship in our life is, is hingent on our personal single life. You know, uh, I hadn't been pastoring that long, but I've been pastoring long enough. When I sit down with two individuals, the first thing that they identify as the issue is who? That finger goes, that's right, I saw it, it's had a few, right? We point to the other person. Well, if we would realize that what we really need and what we really need to do is focus on ourselves. When we focus on me, you know, and that's how I know pretty quick, how is this counseling going to go? Is this going to be good? And, you know, after I get through the list of 10 things that's wrong about their, 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 their relationship or their spouse, they finally come back to the place of realizing that uh, I guess I have some things to contribute to this. And, and I know that if we focus on ourselves, it helps all of our relationships. So don't get caught into the, I want to be married, I'm single, and the doom and gloom. This morning, I want you to realize the blessing it is in the season of singleness. You know, I almost thought about, you know, man, if I would have known what I know now, and if somebody would have preached this message to me while I was single, perhaps I could have thrived in that season of singleness. So these next three weeks, we're going to go dive in. We're going to look at the single life, the family life, and dealing with money. The easy way to remember it, we're going to look at the single, the mingle, and the jingle. Now, I hope at the end of this, you know what those mean, being single, the mingle, and the jingle. And you're like, man, I remember them catchphrases. I don't remember what Pastor Noe said. But we're going to jump into this series and look at singles. Looking at, And this message is going to be wrapped around uh, the focus of the blessing it is. You know, this week I researched, because I was curious, I said, how many singles do we really have? Now, if you are the single one, you feel like you are the minority maybe, right? Agree? Disagree? Well, statistically, I looked at the research of married couples and singles. Now, singles could be divorced. They could be um, those who have never been in a relationship and really, or, or widowed. And of that statistics of people that are 18 or older, you know what the statistic was? 50-50. 50% single, 50% married. So that shook my reality that says, as a church, we better be speaking to the singles just as much as we're speaking to the families or the married couples. Now, how many of you have been married long enough you wish you would have dealt with some things when you were single before you got married? And nobody told you that till you got married and you're like, rut row, messed up, right? So we know that um, many of us rush into becoming an adult and, and figure out what's really involved in becoming adult, and then we have that uh uh-oh moment, right? We didn't realize being young and being single and and living the good life. Can you imagine going back to the good old days where the most important decision that you have to make is which TV show to watch and which friend you were gonna ride your bike over, which house you were gonna ride your bike over to? Man, these are the good old days when we thought we had it hard and we thought we had it bad and our video game wouldn't work, so we had to blow in it and stick it in the... Right? It ain't working, but man, you work that magic blow just right, put it in there, it would come back to life. We had it hard that time, right? So in our Western culture, you know, we are in such a hurry to get our kids grown that, that, that it's a blur and we don't just stop and we don't enjoy every single season. Life goes by faster than many of us realize until we realize it. Stop just for a moment. As, as long as you, you feel like your life has went, it's went fast. There's moments that we are glad went along quickly. There's moments we wish we could get back, but nonetheless, it goes quick. So how many of you enjoy traveling? If you had an unlimited budget, you travel all the time, right? So how many of you know there's two types of travelers? There is destination in mind travelers. That means I am going to get to point A and point B. I don't care what's in between. Any of those? 
Pee before you go and then we'll get there, right? It don't matter if it's a 14-hour drive, right? Whatever it is, it's to get from point A to point B and you're not paying attention to the details in the middle. But on the other hand, we have people that are the in-between travelers. They look at the point of, of, of beginning and the point of destination and they try to figure out what is all the good stuff, where are all the stops along the way? Now, if you're a destination driver, this drives you nuts. But if you are a enjoy the ride kind of guy or gal, you enjoy stopping and planning and figuring out where you can go. And maybe you'll take a two-hour detour, but that's probably good for you because you're probably not driving, right? You know, whatever it is that causes you to enjoy that, there's two types of people. Now, the way we plan a trip, you know, where we can stop, the experiences on the line, along the way, they're important. So do you realize that the way you plan that trip determines how you experience the trip? You know, I've always been like, I got one week off and I got one week to do everything. So I've been like that where it's like point A, point B. Hey, we got to go. We got to get there. When we get there, we'll slow down. And then, hey, pack up and floor it coming back. So we, we, realize, we realize that there's two types of people. So a lot of us are like that. We're so fast paced. We're sometimes destination driven that we miss the blessing of the seasons in between. Now, I want you to focus this morning. If you're still single, thrive in that singleness. You have to realize the blessing it is. Maybe, you know, you came into an unfortunate situation where you became single again. God has plans in amongst your singleness. He didn't say, whoops, I missed it. Your life is over, but your life just changes. That's probably the best advice I can give you. Your life just changes over time and hopefully you get smarter as you go and not dumber as you go. Start making less mistakes, start making the right choices, making sure you get a little bit of real wisdom rather than dumb wisdom, right? When you're 16, 17, 18, you think you got it all figured out, no more than your parents, and you're ready to go live by yourself. We don't always realize what that looks like. Many people think that being married is the best season of life, but this morning I want to challenge those of you in the room who are single to ask this question. What if my singleness was the best season? I really want you to ask that because I don't think we ask that question often. I don't think we look at it. I don't think we like to look at it. I don't think we pause and ponder in the single season. Many of us focus on the blessing of being married and miss the blessing that it is to be single. But if we knew what that single years would look like, and even me, if I knew the benefit of being single versus now that I'm a father and, a, and, and, I, and, I'm, a, and I'm a husband and, I, and I'm raising kids and I'm working a job. And man, if I would have known the blessing it was to just really not worry about any of that, I would have probably redirected some of my focus and I would have straight up stayed away from every relationship until God really dropped it in my lap. I'm not going to give you all the details, but that's what I should have done. So I want you to learn by, by revelation this morning and not circumstance. I don't want you to have to go through the same ditch I went through. And, you, and you're in the moment of singleness where you haven't made a whole bunch of mistakes and you don't know what to do, but you want to do something. That is a great place to do. If you haven't completely messed it up yet, there's still hope. Even if you messed it up already, guess what? There's still hope. How many of you have already messed it up? How many of you don't want to acknowledge you messed it up? Okay. Let's keep moving. Let's look at a few passages this morning. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 through 9 in the NIV. It's here, Paul, he's talking about, he says, I wish that all of you were as I am. Now, what he was talking about here was being single. All right? It says, but each of you has an own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now, to the unmarried and to the widows, I say, that's the single ones in the room, right? It says, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. And you're about to walk out because you don't like that. But it says, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than burn with passion, dot, dot, dot. I'm not going to tell you what that means. If you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. If you know what it means, you might not be called to be single your whole life, okay? What, in another passage, he goes down in that same chapter, verse 25 and 29, it says, now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. So what he's saying here, in my honest opinion, 
That's what he's saying, based on the wisdom that I have from God. But this is what he says. He says, because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you of this. And all the married couples said, amen. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. All right, let's look a little bit further down, 32 to 35. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man slash woman is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. And an unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in the right way in an undivided devotion to the Lord. So what was he saying here? Being single is not a bad thing. Being married is not a bad thing. But Paul's saying where you're at right now, it might not be a bad thing to try to change it. Right? But we have to evaluate that. That's not an exact formula. But in your singleness, while you have a moment to be single, thrive in it. Enjoy the blessing of it. You know, I'm not saying anybody specific, but I've seen Facebook pages change when somebody goes from married status to single status. I've seen one that isn't shopping to one who is shopping. You got me? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh man, like what changed there? They are looking and fishing for the right relationship. Let me tell you what. How you fish determines what you catch. There's sometimes stupid ways to fish where you'll catch nothing but a bunch of hardheads. And a hardhead ain't good for nothing but throwing back. So for all you single ladies, how many do I have in the room that are single? Raise your hand, proud. You're like, someone's like, that's good advertising if you're in the church. How many single men are in the church? Man, none of them raise their hand. I got one over here. So I'll do it. Uh, you know, it's be careful how you approach that. Don't be so focused on that. God will work out the details. I've seen people who are single for a lifetime and then God shows up, brings the perfect person. It happens quick. You know what the statistic, this is another one I looked at. You know what the statistic is now currently of married age, of when people get married? What's that? What do you think? 30. It's 29 and 30. I was like, man, that's having babies late, stressed out late. I said, man, it's late. I, I don't know statistically if it's just we don't want commitment or people are focusing. Now, there is some statistics that a lot of people are pursuing education over relationship now more than ever because they want to have the security of an education and income before they get into a relationship. There's some balance to that, but let me tell you what. If God has called you to be married, there's nothing like it. If God has called you to be single, even, even in a season of singleness, there's nothing like it. But you can miss the point of singleness by focusing on being married, and you'll miss all of it. You'll be so focused on what you want versus what God wants to give you in that moment. So the focus here of this passage, it wasn't so much if you're married or if you're single. It was the ability to serve the Lord well in every single season. Now, let me tell you what. I messed up a lot in my single season. Glad that's way back in the rearview mirror. But there was a lot of mistakes pursuing things uh, that shouldn't have been pursued, not knowing what to do. And how many of you know, we really ain't that good at new relationships or figuring out what the relationship life should be. And a lot of times we base it on what the world says the pattern should be and not what God says it should be. And I'll tell you what, if God didn't say so, I wouldn't even be looking. Right? And I think that there's a certain age and there should be a certain boundary that you put for yourself that really... You're not even interested. Turn on that do not disturb sign and don't worry about it, okay? So let me tell you something today. I see sometimes that the Lord really desires people to thrive in their single relationship. When we thrive in our single relationship, it causes our friend, relationship with our fan, friends, family, and our, our spouses later to be very, very successful. Um, let me tell you this before we jump into four areas of really causing successful singleness. A married life is not a cure-all for your problems. 
And it can actually make things worse if you have not dealt with yourself personally prior to a lifetime relationship. I didn't know that <laughs> until I got married. It's like, my bad. Like, I brought some luggage. I brought some baggage. And I tell you what, one of the best times to deal with yourself is when you're by yourself. Because you make all your problems somebody else's problems, and they didn't ask for that, and it wasn't their fault, but you made it their fault. So the, the, the answer to the equation is deal with it now. How do, we, how do we become great spouses later? We deal with ourselves now. How do we become great? So th- don't just, please don't be stuck in just married, not married. To be a great person, God wants you to be healthy and whole. To be a great friend, guess what? God wants you healthy and whole, not needy and wounded and where you suck the life out of people. You ever been around one of them people? They're hurt, they're wounded, and it's just, man, you like see them coming and you go right. Because you know that's gonna be a life-sucking relationship. But it's because we have wounds. It's because we have gaps. It's because we are not healthy and whole. So we need to look at it being healthy and whole for whatever the future may hold. So this morning, we're going to look at four areas to successful singleness. And some of us this morning, we're going to say, man, I wish I'd have known that. Pastor, where were you 25 years ago? So the first thing we're going to look at is perspective. So in our perspective, this is being seen clearly in the season of singleness. I'll tell you what. When you're pursuing a relationship or a spouse or whatever, you are not looking clearly. You got the love shades on, right? Graduated from high school and you can do what you want. You're almost out of mom and daddy's house and they can't tell you what to do. And Mr. Love comes along. Or Mrs. Lovely comes along, right? And you're infatuated. It's exciting. It's a rush. But you are not seeing clear, I mean, fog, Right? Love will cause a, you know, or what you think is love. i put that out there too. You don't know what love is initially, but you can grow to learn what love is. So having the right perspective. So the first perspective we got to realize that we have is you are freer right now than you will ever be. Talking to singles now. You're like, man, you, you talking to me, Pastor? No, I'm talking about singles. <laughs> I'm not freer than I've ever been. You have to remain satisfied in your singleness. Keep your undivided focus towards God. It's okay if a relationship comes along. It's okay if friends show up. It's okay to work in the secular world. As long as your, your, your focus is not distracted. As long as, you're, 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 as long as you don't have an undivided focus. You know, I see most people trip because they're looking so far ahead and they're not looking what's right in front of them. You ever seen that people that trip all the time? They don't look eyes on path. They're not looking down. They're looking over here. And we can do that in our singleness, that we are so preoccupied with what's come. Man, how did I trip? How did I fall in that? How did I? Well, you're looking so far this way. You're not paying attention to what's right here. Pay attention to what's going on right now in this moment in your life. This is the season to be strong and courageous. Joshua 1, 7 through 9, it says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's what your gaze has to be on. That's what your eyes has to be on. Don't settle for less than God's best. You know, people, before they find a relationship or before they get beyond, you know, to the age of where they're focused on other relationships, man, they're shooting for the stars and they settle for a hard head. Right? Well, you know, Bay City, it's got some slim pickings. I've heard it. Christian mingle, like search it. I mean, like you're, 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 you're digging down and you're like, man, I just, but we settle. God doesn't want you to settle. Why would you settle? Let me, let me let you in on a little secret. You know, pastor, no, we would not be successful without Becky Cano. I could have married another woman that hated ministry and I would have never been able to serve in this position. So who we, who we agree and decide to marry matters. You got to make sure that they're, they're, what, they're God's best for you. A lot of people say, well, I don't believe in the one. Uh-huh. Tell you what, you can make the one the one if you don't wait, if you're not patient, if you don't seek the Lord. 
I was dumb and deceived, man, in some of my earlier relationships. Becky was not my only relationship. I'll just leave it at that. But deceived, not realizing, not asking the questions. And I will let you in a little bit of that. Later on, I said, Lord, is this who I'm supposed to marry? Problem is with Pastor Noe, he hears the voice of God. So when God says, nope, then what do you do? You've already invested so much of your heart and your relationship and crossed boundaries I should have never crossed. And now I got to get out of this relationship. What do I do? God will rescue me even out of my stupidity. Now, just because I know I'm going the wrong direction don't mean I should just say, okay, well, I guess we should just get married and I guess we should just keep on going. If I know I'm going in the wrong direction, if you're not married, there's still hope. You can always break it off. It just hurts a little bit more the further you go. It ain't, I mean, now if you're married, you stuck like Chuck this morning, okay? Let me throw that in there. I told you I should, come on. There's something about marrying somebody that you make it become God's will. And then once it is, it is. All right? Throw that in there. But an undivided focus is what God really wants in our single life. You know, don't base your choices on anybody else except God. Everything you do, ask God. Lord, should I go to this school? Yes or no? Should I even entertain this relationship? Yes or no? Should I hang out with these friends of influence? Yes or no? Should I listen to my parents even though I think I'm grown? Yes or no? You know, there, are, there is a season of growing to where God will give you knowledge and you'll have to make decisions for yourself. But I'll tell you what, sometimes your parents' counsel for a lifetime is still good counsel. You don't always like to hear it. You're like, well, I'm a full-grown man. Like, right? You know, that prideful, arrogant part of us, Right? Ah, don't tell me how to do it. And then later, you did it like they told you. Because you figured out there was wisdom in that. Have an undivided focus. You know I have seen boyfriends and girlfriends keep people from becoming and serving God to the fullness. Well, I can't go home in a relationship. I was like, idiot, you're not married. You're just in a relationship. Come on, man. Don't make these relationships just casual relationships like you're married to the person. Get married if you're that committed. But guess what? Most people ain't that committed. Like, well, we're just seeing if it's going to work. You've been dating for two weeks. You're not going to go to the mission field because God built, has his man just for you. Let me tell you what. If that's the man or the woman for you, God will keep that person there when you get back. Pursue all that God has for you. This is the freest moment of your life. You're like, it's the most stressful. You just don't understand because you have not yet seen how hard life can get and how challenging it can get. So having the right perspective, understanding your freedom factor, you are the freest you will ever be. God has called you to an undivided focus, focused on him. That has to be your perspective. You have to see clearly in this season of your life or you will have a lot of wrecks. Can you imagine driving down the road with your eyes closed? It's gonna be a bad day, right? Might not even get out of the parking lot. What was that, man? I don't know. I got my eyes closed. Well, you can just keep going. Okay. Come on. Open your eyes. Your perspective has to be opened, but it has to be God's perspective. Man, if you've given your heart to people and you're not married to them, you got to break that off unless God tells you to marry them. Don't be entertained with just these, I'm going to call it low fruit quality men and women. Notice I said men and women, because if they're not men and women, you shouldn't even be dating or thinking about it anyway. Enjoy your youthfulness. Enjoy your singleness. Have an undivided focus. Understand your freedom and thrive in that. So now that we have the right perspective, this will lead us to our second focus point, your purpose. So once we have a good perspective, we can now move on to our purpose. Our purpose is to honor God with undivided focus. We have to understand our reason for existence. How many of you still struggling with that? All y'all got to figure it out? Come on. Lying, right? We still struggle with figuring out our purpose, but this is the season to thrive in discovering purpose. You know why? Because you don't, you're not comparing yourself to your spouse. You're not comparing yourself to all your friends that went to college. And when we graduate, everything changes. Like we think, oh, we're going to be friends forever. We're going to hang out and we're going to be pen pals. Man, you know how many people I talked to from high school? Man, pretty close. There's a few that pursue me or reach out and said, hey, I heard you were pastoring over there. How's that going? Man, best ever. Like, you know, but it's shallow conversations. They know me by proxy and Facebook, but I don't stay connected with them. We invest so much in what we think will last for a lifetime, and it really doesn't. 
We have to realize that what our purpose is, but we only have that in that undivided focus. Singleness allows for single undivided devotion to the Lord. I didn't realize that then. I understand that now. So I'm trying to help you where you are now. Just hit the brakes. Pause the brakes. If you hadn't taken like a sabbatical stop, like I'm not going to be in any relationships, I'm not going to do anything. And, you know, parents, give your kiddos some grace if they just want to take a break for just a little while, but don't let them stop there forever. Because life is hard. I think sometimes in the nudging of figure it out, go to the next step, we are the catalyst that's pushing them forward so fast that they're required to grow up. Guess what? If we could go back and we could take a month of not growing up, we would go back. Right? Oh, I would. I said, like, I can do whatever I want, like... Didn't matter. Like it was, I, it, to me, I cannot believe that I didn't see it for what it was. It's like, man, it was the best times ever. Not saying married life and kids and working and bills, taxes, fuel prices, feeding my kids that are buying full fledged meals now. Wouldn't be worth it, right? I want the full meal, Dad. Man, you don't want that double cheeseburger? You want the double cheeseburger? You can get the single patty. Eating more than your dad, you need to calm down, right? But if I could go back with a good perspective and a redefined purpose, I could have been a lot more productive in those years. I'm not saying God can't redeem it, God can't fix it, God can't expedite it. Some of us are past that, and it's like it's a rear view in the mirror. But guess what? God wants to expedite some of that to everyone in the room now. Some of you are still stuck with, no, I don't understand this purpose thing. We have found all of our purpose in our spouse because we never found our purpose in our singleness. You have to figure it out when you're single. If you're not satisfied now, marriage doesn't fix that. You have to learn to be fully satisfied. You know, needy people, people that are wanty and just, oh, man. For a lifetime, come on. You're going to deal with it when you're young because you don't know no better. Oh, well, will you come hang out with me? No. I'm single. I want to live my life. <laughs> Been there, done that, wasting all of our time, staying up super late. All of this is focused on somebody else. Focus on yourself for a little bit. This is the one time I'm going to give you 100% permission to focus on yourself. It's all about you. What is God calling you to? What has he purposed in your heart? What are you pa- crazy passionate about? If you could only do one or two things with your life, what would you do? Well, Pastor, that's a good question. Hit the brakes and figure it out. Because if you don't figure it out, you will settle for less. Read God's word. Say, Lord, what can I, you know, what can I believe you for? What can I trust you for? I believe God has big plans for each of us. But we have to figure that out in that purpose category. Great marriages come from two complete people discovering their purpose, having the right perspective, and combined health and wholeness makes something better together. I tell you what, if you're in a relationship trying to fix the other person, time to tap out. Don't mess with that. Tell them to come back when they're fixed. Now, if you're already married, you got to work through it, right? I tell you what, it's a lot easier to work on yourself rather than working on yourself and trying to please a spouse. Let me give you one more nugget on this right here. Don't let someone who's not going the same direction as you pull you away from God's purpose. Man, if you're going serving God and you're doing something and that person that is to your left and your right ain't going the same direction, they're like, hey, I'm going south, you're going north, let's get together. Don't pick them up. Just wave along the way, say, hey, baby, you're going the wrong direction, this is where I'm going because you're pursuing God's purpose. You're doing all that God has called you to do, all that God has called you to be. And that's all that's required of you. Figure out your purpose. Do you realize nowadays there are actually compatibility tests you can take before you get married? I heard a story of a pastor friend. He, uh, his dad really helps all the sons pick their spouses. And now, well, you know what? I've started thinking about this. My son don't know who he needs to marry. He doesn't understand what are high qualities in a spouse that he needs to be looking for. He's only going to be looking for one thing. Understand? It, Dad, what you think? <laughs> that ain't the first thing you need to be thinking about. But there are, there are actually personality tests that check his personality type with his characteristics and her personality type. So this, this pastor, you know, his kid made both kids who are interested in this relationship to take this profile. 
They took it and it was crazy, crazy non-compatible. So the father tells the son, hey, listen, this compatibility test says this ain't gonna work. So the next evening at dinner, the boy looks over to the girl and says, hey, this ain't gonna work. <laughs> what do you mean this ain't gonna work? My dad said it ain't gonna work and the test said it ain't gonna work. And that was it. That easy. But guess what? If we're early enough and we're not so infatuated with the person, that's easy to do. But we don't ask those questions and we don't evaluate those till way later and we're already gone. We don't care about the test anymore. There's so many resources available nowadays for us to be more successful in our singleness and in our endeavors to pursue a relationship. But you need to know your personality type. You need to know your, your, what you're passionate and what your purpose is. And you got to have the right perspective before you go fishing. All right? So you got to make sure you pay attention to those things. Your purpose discovered will add value to your personal relationships later. You don't realize that now, but it will happen. If we're looking for somebody or someone to complete us, we got to realize that only God can do that. Don't be looking for a relationship to complete you. That's not fair to a husband, and that's not fair to a wife, because they're trying to fill a void that only God can fill. So you need to try to be all you can be by yourself, healthy and whole and satisfied prior to pursuing anything. This is how you thrive in your singleness. What are your eyes fixed on is, is a really good question to ask. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Listen to me. You will go in the direction of your gaze. Whatever you're looking at, whatever you're pursuing, that is the direction you will go. Whatever you're gazing on, whatever you're looking at, whatever you're, th you're thinking about. You know, have you ever seen the horse blinders that they put on horses when they're, you know, on a, pulling a wagon or whatever? You know what those are for? The blinders cover the rear vision of the horse and forcing it to look only in the forward direction and keeping it on track. Do you know what, that, that that's what your purpose will do for you? Because if you know what your purpose is, you won't settle for anything that not, doesn't push you in the direction of your purpose. Now, Mr good looking comes along and he reinforces that purpose and is going the same direction that might be God if they're going bipolar opposite of where you're going I got to hear the spirit of God to know that's probably not God's best you might be male and they might be female but that don't mean it's going to work okay we have to understand our purpose so we have good perspective we've, we've identified our purpose and let me, let me point one more thing out here. Uh, got a note on here. Don't fo force the puzzle piece regardless of how much you want it to fit. You ever done that where you're so mad, you get, you're mad at this puzzle and you're like, oh, I should go there and it, it doesn't fit. Please don't force puzzle pieces that don't fit. It will harm both puzzle pieces and it will never make sense. Okay? You got that? Focus on God's purpose. Focus on yourself as an individual and trust him for your future. So now that we've worked on having the right perspective and the right purpose, what about purity? Oh, man, I want to talk about purity. Purity. This is where we guard your heart and we guard our life. This is about being clean. This is about our morals. This is about our standards and our behaviors. You know, uh, when I was younger, I would go to the beach or I'd go to a mud pit and I would, I would, I would get my truck completely filthy, throwing dirt. Man, and, you know, you ever done that? Was it that fun when you had to clean it? Absolutely not, right? I'd get sand everywhere, dirt everywhere. I'd open my hood, sand and dirt and everything everywhere. And you know what I learned? It was better to keep the truck clean than ever letting it get dirty and putting the work in to clean up the mess. Purity is exactly the same way. If we just keep it clean, we don't have to clean up the mess we make from a lack of purity. Man, that'll preach. I need to get a whole lot of amens there. Because some of us rather pick up the mess. But if you will just stay clean and pure and holy and set apart to the Lord, you don't have to deal with the mess. If you've avoided it at this point, praise God. If you've already made the mess, you've got to clean the mess up. Man, how many of y'all made a mess? You had to work through it, right? We don't like to tell anybody that. You know, we have to tell the, this next generation the areas we messed up so they can learn from it. Don't pretend like you got it all together because they look at us today and think we had it easy. No, we just survived it, and we cleaned it, and we worked through it. 
because we had to deal with the consequences. But you can learn through somebody's wisdom and guidance and, 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 and fight for a level of purity that is like no other. Psalms 119, 9 through 11 says, how can a young or single person uh, stay on the path to purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So this is all about living, seeking, and hiding in the presence of God. You know, we actually become impure when we violate God's commands, seeking other things and straying. We're all guilty of that. But living according to those commands and hiding those things in our heart is what keeps us pure. Hiding those things in our heart. When something is occupying my whole being, there's no room for anything else. It's like the cup is full. You cannot put anything else in the cup because the cup is full. So today's standard is often reduced from God's standard. You have to realize that, well, I'm not doing, yeah, but you already violated God's standard because we're basing it on worldly standards, not on biblical standards of what is acceptable, what is right. And and most of these happen because of a compromise. Well, and I'm just going to say this, I'm sorry, parents, if you got to clean up. Well, at least we didn't get pregnant. Man, if that's what you're saying, you have violated a lot of areas already. I'm serious. Like, well, we could have, but what was the, when did it, the violation happen? What, what, what was, what is God's standard of purity and holiness? We have to realize what that is. The world's standard is almost always reduced from God's standard. You know, uh, Samuel played basketball Saturday and he played on a 10 foot standard sized basketball rim, right? Well, there's times at the house where I have that adjustable rim, Right? And he'll knock that thing all the way down to that six, six and a half foot. And he's like, watch this, dad. He still has to jump off a trampoline to dunk it, but he's trying, right? He'll get big enough that he can dunk it. But what happens is, is he gets, he, he figures out it's fun and it's easy, but guess what? It is reduced of the standard. Just because it's easy and fun doesn't mean that it's acceptable to God. So I mean, look at me, man, I'm doing good. No, you're not. You're reducing the standard by the world standard. You are completely missing the mark of God's standard. Now, I don't have time to unpack all the standards that have been violated in culture and that are missing the mark of God's word. But I think you know what some of those are. Young, single one, if you don't know what that is, phone a friend or ask an adult. We can probably let you in on uh, some of the ones that got us. All right? 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 16. It says, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example to other believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public readings of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect the gift which was given to you through the prophecy of the body of elders as they laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. That means what you do and what you believe. Uh, Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So what you do not only affects you, but it affects others. That was 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 16. Uh, just to be brutally honest with you, if there's any areas of addiction or personal self-control, it is 100% easier to deal with it while you're single rather than when you're in a relationship. It is. So deal with it now. Why would we want to wait? It's better to, to, to get yourself right before a relationship before you make your problems somebody else's problems. I'll say this one more time. Many people think marriage fixes you, but guess what? That's just not true. So in your singleness, please remain pure. So now that we have the right perspective and we move, move towards understanding our purpose and we have fought to restore and keep our purity, now let's move on to one more thing that will ensure our success in singleness, and that's protection. Protection comes in the, in, the, in the way of boundaries. This is what keeps you safe. Proverbs twenty two twenty eight. It says, do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your ancestors. So if we stay in the boundary that God has set up for us in his word or our parents have set up on our behalf, we are going to be okay. 
It's the moments we move those boundary stones or we pass those boundary stones that we get in a bind. Can I get an amen? Amen. Everything you messed up or whatever, you crossed some type of boundary stone that was established because you just said, oh, what's that? I don't know. And you kept going. You didn't safeguard your life. You didn't stay safe. You didn't stay within the boundaries. One thing I've really encouraged Samuel in because he's getting older, I've had to have some of those awesome dad-son talks. Guess what? If, you're, if your kids are in junior high, you got to have the talk. That's your responsibility, dads. That's your responsibility, moms. you got to have the talk. You don't know what the talk is, come talk to me, and I'll tell you what the talk is. <laughs> it's how you make babies, okay? What? Okay, yeah, you got to have, that's your responsibility. God gave you them kids. Don't ask me to do it for you. It was awkward enough with my own. But I started talking to him, and I looked at Scripture, and I said, I said, son, you know Dad knows more than you, right? And, and not an arrogant problem. He says, yeah, Dad. And I says, son, you know that everything I tell you, I'm telling you because I love you to death, and I'd never want anything to hurt you or harm you, right? Well, yeah, Dad. Well, son, there's going to be times where I tell you things that you don't understand, but you got to trust them to be true. Can you do that? He said, yes, Dad. Those are those ancient boundary stones that are established for his well-being and his safety because he doesn't know any better. Now, hopefully, all you singles, now if you're young, young, you still got to have boundaries. You got to trust your parents. They're not the bad guy. They're trying to protect your life. They're trying to remove the the, the plan of the enemy off of your life and to protect you. You will never understand until you have kids. I never did. And I probably didn't give my parents the grace that they deserved until I had kids and I understood So we have to stay within those boundaries so that everything that God has written in his word, he wrote as a love story for us. Do you know why? Because God knew the effects of cross boundaries and he didn't want us to suffer the consequences of them. He wanted to protect us. So everything he wrote in there, he wrote it because he loved you. If your parents say no to something and everybody else is doing it, trust your parents. You ain't gonna like it because you're gonna think you is a parent, but you isn't one. Trust your parents. If you're living in their household, trust them, honor them. Know that their heart and their motive is to protect you for a lifetime. It don't matter how old I get. My mama's still trying to protect me. A full-grown man. I feel like I can kind of protect myself, but mom's motives are always towards their children in a way to protect. And guess what? God's heart is the same way. He wants you to be protected. He wants you to have boundaries. Do you realize that there are many things that your parents will tell you to do that you don't understand and you don't like? Um, But if your parents tell you don't do it and everybody else is doing it, listen to your parents. Let me tell you what. What's popular is not always profitable. Well, everybody's doing it. If you said that, you're being stupid. If you said that, well, everybody, well, you ain't everybody and you're the preacher's kid and you're my son and I don't care. Because I'm here to train you up and to protect you and to set boundaries in your life that you know nothing about because you don't even know how to protect yourself yet. We have to grow in that. Because in our singleness, sometimes we're removed from our parents. But guess what? We're always protected by God. He still has boundaries that we can set up. Follow the directions from Scripture. That's how we live a successful boundary life. I remember when I was young, my mom used to say, don't go past the stop sign. We're at a dead end road. It's just like I get so mad. I'm like, over here, I'm at the end of the stop sign. I'm looking at my house right there. I'm like, don't go past. And guess what? I never went past that stupid stop sign. There was times I wanted to go like this. <laughs> past the stop sign. But I knew better because mama would whoop my butt if I went past the stop sign. Guess what? When my sisters came along, they're like, oh, man, you can go past that third stop sign. Man, it changed. <laughs> I remember the frustration, and I think my mom should have still been just as strict on them. And if my sisters are watching, they should have been more strict. Sorry, suckers got away with everything. So I had boundaries. Don't go past this, the stop sign, and when the lights turned on at night, you better get your butt home. You remember, bloop, they kick on. Oh, got to go. Another thing my dad used to do, he used to whistle real loud. If I heard him whistle, it didn't matter what we were doing. You stop everything, you run home. Dad was looking for me. Right, there was some communication. There was some guidance. There were some boundaries. There were some rules. Boy, you hear me whistle? Uh, no lying. I can hear him whistle. <laughs> I could hear him whistle. I wasn't past the stop sign, right? I was right there. Like, could just say, hey, come here. He didn't have to whistle. But that's what he did. Those were the boundaries. Those were the, the areas. Those, those were following those directions from my parents. 
Guarding your heart is also of utmost importance. Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all else, guard your heart. From everything you do flows out of it. Out of it actually flows the issues of life. Ephesians 6.11, it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Establish boundaries personally. And let me help you with this. Get a trusted friend to evaluate your boundaries. Because you might put something in, in place that's not really a boundary. Well, only sometimes. And guess what? You're, you're, you're putting yourself so close that you, you, might, you might get in a bind. You're getting so close to those boundaries. Proverbs 25, 28 in the New Living Translation says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Uh, establish, a, establish the boundaries and, and, and plan way before you get close to the boundary of no compromise. Now, let me give you a nugget here. This is what I should have done. I should have been working on, focusing on that stop sign. Because let me tell you what, that stop sign is right next to the, the cliff. It's right to the place of completely falling off the grid and really causing harm. Using that hypothetically, figure out what that is for you, what that was for you. But we get so close to that boundary that we should have established another boundary of no compromise further away from the end boundary. Because if I set a boundary of no compromise, I'm not sitting there being enticed by the devil to take one step past the stop sign. But I'm at this place of no compromise where when I'm fighting the battle, my feet straddled with the boundary of no compromise, there's still hope for me. I'm nowhere near the cliff. I'm still in a safe configuration that will ensure my safety and will keep that ultimate boundary in place. A boundary, a boundary of no compromise has to be reached before the final boundary stone. It should be positioned as a warning. You seen that, right? Road closure, road merging in 500 feet, 100 feet. If you didn't move over, smack, you just hit it, right? There are warning signs. We have to put those in our lives as a boundary, as a protection. A boundary communicates who you are and who you are not. It's, it's what you will and will not do before you get in a situation. I'm going to help you here. Figure out what you're going to do before you get in the situation, and you'll almost always make the right choice. Don't say, well, I just figured out when I get there. That's a stupid way to do it. Because most of the time, peer pressure or just sure not knowing what's going on or just wanting to please the other person or not be a buzzkill to your friends, you're going to make a poor choice. But if you know the decision you need to make way before you get there, you'll almost always make that decision better. No one who stays far away from the pit will ever have to worry about falling in it. Now, let me tell you what. In my life, the areas that I did not set boundaries and I didn't stay far away from, guess what I did? I fell into them jokers. And I hit the bottom. And I got to the bottom and I looked up and I said, woe is me, look what I did. And I had to cry for help to get out. But if I stay far away from the pit, now let me tell you what, on the other side, guys, the areas that I guarded with every inch of my life never affected me. It was the areas that were unguarded or there was no boundary or I didn't pay attention to the boundary that I messed up. Man, if you haven't crossed those boundaries yet, if you haven't fallen to the bottom of the pit yet, don't fall to the bottom of the pit. It's not worth it. What's cost me my life? Cost me many years of pain and stress. Some of those things still haunt me today. And I thank God that God sends people to throw you a lifeline and pull your butt out of that pit. But let me tell you what, it's better to avoid the pit. So we have to have the right perspective. We have to have established purpose. We have to fight for purity more than we ever have. And then we have to put up a protection in the way of boundaries. Can you stand up with me? We're closing. We'll get out of here. I, get, I got any singles in here this morning that this message has helped? Man, it would have helped me. Guess what? For all you married folk, you non-single folks, same rules apply. But this will even help you be more successful before you get married or before you get in a relationship. It's always been hard for me to worry about like preaching stuff for relationships or preaching stuff to single because to me, there's really no difference. They always apply. 
be it I single, be it I married, be it I hope to be. Whatever season of life the word will be applied in the context of scripture will cause you to be successful. So if there was one of these areas that really, really stood out to you, all you got to do is say, Lord, help me have the right perspective. Lord, help me have an understanding of my purpose. Father, I need purity in my life. You know, purity will mess you up because if you act like you're being pure and you're not, it's a hard pill to swallow. Because between you and God, he knows the truth. It's better just to stay pure. Because at some point, guess what? You're going to have a big mess to clean up. And then once we've established those three, we make sure that we have some protection in place and we set boundaries and we do not break them. We guard them with every ounce of our life. I want each of you to focus on the season you're in right now. Some of you want to get on to the next one. Some of you are in the one that you're in and you've kind of been there a while and you don't really know going on in that season and let let the Lord show you what you're doing. I I believe that we can thrive in every single season of our life. They're just different. That's the best way I know to explain. They're just different, but they're all sweet. You know, the enemy wants to kind of make you disgusted in the season you're in sometimes. But if we don't learn what God wants us to learn in that season, sometimes he he asks us to go around the mountain again. Cost the Israelites 40 years in the wilderness because they didn't figure out what God wanted to show them. I ain't got 40 years, Lord. (laughs) I I need to learn within this 40 minutes of this message. Download it. Help me change it. And Lord, if it so be your will, move me forward. So I want to challenge you with with a final phrase of trusting the Lord with your future. Because guess what? He already knows what your future looks like. And if I was going to trust anybody, it's who I would trust. Amen. We pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each one here. And Father, those that are single, by choice or circumstance, nonetheless, Father, I ask that they would thrive in that season. For those of us who can't go back, even though we wish we could, Lord, that we would still apply these principles and we would thrive in the season we're in. Whatever season we're in, Father, I pray that we would see what you're doing. Father, that we would trust in you. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I think when we focus on self, it just makes us better all around. So Father, if there's married ones in the room, if there's single ones in the room, Father, show us our individual heart and what we are contributing or taking away from all the relationships around us. Father, because we want to be healthy and whole, that we might be a blessing to all of those around us. Rather than filling those voids by all of those things that really don't need to be filling those voids. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Father, I thank you for the single life. I thank you that when you work in one of us, it fixes everything. And it helps every other relationship in our life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.